This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Welcome, welcome, welcome to F1 with DRS. Well, we've got boys all over the world right now. Yeah, Jethro, where are you? I have literally just arrived in Le Mans, France. I got in, got my key, set up the laptop, uh, so I've been here for all of two minutes. You look like you're in a very upscale boutique hotel. The door behind you, or is that a cabinet, a bureau of drawers? What is that? Um... You're learning as I do. That is the <laughs> door door through to a dressing room with cupboards. Um, oh. There's like an old-fashioned coat rack going on. There's some crazy art. There's gas lamps. Oh. It's very nice. It's actually um, a big house right in the middle of the town that I'm sharing with four or five people from the Eurosport broadcast team. But yeah, it's really nice. It's cool. Yeah. And then Matt, you're in our nation's Orlando destination for family fun. Yeah. And I think the hotel room next to me is having that fun. It's a family and they were here so late last night. And then apparently they're here all day today. So they're in Orlando having a great time in their hotel room the whole time. In their room. They're not out yeah. at the parks. No, it's kind of weird. I don't understand what's going on. Anything thrilling from the hair show you're at? Anyone's hair catch on uh, fire? Anyone get a bad tangle that everyone had to... Not much. I debated for a minute shaving my head, and then I didn't do it. Um, I have a friend here who's a really great barber, and I was debating it, and then I decided against it. Do you think a really great barber is required for a head say, shaving? I was going to say, to be fair, I think I'm qualified to shave your head. <laughs> well, it'd be a specific head shave. I, I want to fade integrated into it, mm. and... I would only let certain people do that, so he would be one of them. Mm. But I was telling Charlie, I learned something interesting. I landed here two and a half hours. I had to wait for my bags mm. because of lightning. So the baggage people won't work unless lightning is over five miles away. Oh, wow. So I had to wait for two and a half hours. But then I learned an interesting fact that Tampa Bay is the lightning capital of the world. Oh. And which is why the hockey team, the Tampa Bay Lightning, is called the Tampa Bay Lightning, which I followed hockey for years and never knew that fact. So fun mm. facts. <laughs> uh, would have been a great home for Ben Franklin to do all of his fun kite oh, experiments. Yeah. It's a shame he was Much up more in successful. Imagine what he could have gotten done. Oh, my God. Mm. We would have had electricity 100 years ahead of schedule. <laughs> Okay, yeah. well, Charlie and I had an incredible weekend. I think folks will know that Ace was making a championship run. Matt had mm. attended the previous game and claimed it was the best sporting event he'd ever witnessed live. Yep. And I was lucky enough to now go to the actual championship game. Wow. Final game. What was it at? 10 a.m. on Saturday? 10 a.m. Saturday morning. I came in casually at 1040. Yeah, perfect I felt timing. Perfect timing. They were down by twos, zero to two, mm -hmm. fourth inning. And within nine minutes of us being there, it was six to two. Yep. And then within 20 minutes of being there, it was 12 to two. Yep. And then finished 13-3, maybe? It was a, it was a slashing. So Ace is now a champion. Yep. He is a champion. They did a ring ceremony. I watched on my plane. I watched, I had the live stream up the whole time I was flying. I was watching Ace's baseball game. Matt, you're the most supportive friend anyone could ever have. You watched all of Jethro's boring race. You watched a little league baseball game. I, I hope to compete in a pottery contest or something. You know what? When you got you. skin in the game, it makes it so much more exciting. I also said to Charlie, because Charlie said, yeah, Matt's watching it live right now on some stream. 
And I said, Matt knows his way around the internet better than anyone I've ever met. The fact that you could have found Ace's <laughs> Little League game online and figured out how to listen to it on an airplane. Well, Charlie sent the link. I think even my buddy Matt in Canada was watching from his <laughs> cottage. He sent the link because yeah. I told him how excited it was. And so, you know, I think we should have put this up on our Instagram. We would have had a few more watches. We really should have. It's I was shame. sending it out to family members and Matt. Was getting the link. I know because I didn't get a link. No. We're pretty yeah. close. I felt like people were watching me on the plane being like, this guy is one hell of a dad. Just watching his kids literally game is like, no, no one's my child. I'm just. If you're watching and it's not because your child's in it, then the second thought is like, this guy's dangerous. Why is this guy yeah. watching yeah. Yeah. nine-year-olds play baseball? Uh, he can't even peel himself away from it on the airplane. Suddenly it's the dark web rather than the web. Isn't yeah. it? Yeah. When you, when you, <laughs> you'll find it a little league match how long does a kids baseball match go on because like as a as a foreigner watching an adult's baseball match it's just it's mind-blowing to me that a, a nation can be so in love with this sport yeah because <laughs> it's so it's boring. so long and boring the it's kids so unbelievably boring like we have cricket but baseball is yeah right we don't there. stop and drink tea during our baseball <laughs> yeah we're no we don't ask the spectators who just paid money for the seats to watch all of us have a glass of fucking tea so just slow your <laughs> roll Bogan. no i know i know i know cricket's the worst but i guess like baseball cricket is a great day out like if you go to watch you just sit chill with your friends have a few beers is fantastic but yeah baseball is a stretch these little league games they go for an hour 40 and then they finish the inning so it could be in like maybe two hours max so it's not too bad and uh major league baseball this year started having a pitch clock and it's incredible huh they used to be able to do whatever they have all these pre-swing and pre-pitch rituals it takes forever between pitches it drags on forever yeah i watched some of these pitchers and it reminds me when i had maximum ticks when i was like nine yeah. years old and i'm just watching someone <laughs> cycle through their entire ocd checklist yes every, for a hundred pitches <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. then you throw in the batters doing the same thing and it takes <laughs> forever i mean you can get there an hour late and you missed half an inning but they started a pitch clock so after each pitch that clock, it's kind of like a, a shot clock in basketball. It's behind home plate. Mm. They have 20 seconds. To get it all out. Yes. 15. And if the, if, oh, 15. 15 with no runner, 20 with runner. Okay, 15 and 20. So it's quick. So the pitcher, if they don't pitch the ball, they get an automatic ball called. Oh, wow. And if the batter's not in the box ready, it's an automatic strike. Wow. And it keeps that thing moving quick. Do they just accelerate their ticks like you just get to see all of them they rapid just fire they just keep the essential ones they've, uh, they've eliminated all the the, the non-essentials non-essential ticks have been paired out does that get the matches down to like five hours instead of <laughs> nine or whatever it was before <laughs> no the <laughs> it's really when those things go into extra innings sometimes they're up you know 13 innings it is a good and here they start at seven so you could be there till midnight <laughs> watching a baseball game yeah easy easy one of 162 games it doesn't matter well i had no triumphs in my life other than a good friend of mine josh heron who races moto america superbike he rides for ducati and this weekend they were racing at road america and he won Sunday's race. It wow. was so thrilling. And I have to admit, and I don't want to destroy this podcast in the process, but the racing that happens in Moto America in the Superbike class is about 6,000 times more exciting than Formula One. Because <laughs> I watched it after the race. And I was almost thinking, like, well, I got to watch this race because Josh is racing. I got to be supportive. And then five minutes in, I was like, why do I not prioritize this? I mean, there were, you know, 15 lead changes. Dudes are flying off their bikes every, you know, three laps. It's so much more thrilling. But anyways, big shout out to Josh Heron for getting that first place. And I really urge people to check out Moto America Superbike Racing. It's so thrilling. I don't think I've ever watched one. You know, they're, they're touching each other in every turn, and it's just wild. Okay, Spain... Charlie and I watch the race the way it should be watched, which yep. is in recliners in front of the big screen. Uh, heavenly experience. Matt, how did you view it? I went to upstairs of the convention center, found like some dirty table that had food all over it because it was the only place to sit. And I tried to connect to my iPad. It wouldn't connect to the internet. So I had my iPhone and I stared at my iPhone for two hours, which 
was still exciting. I think people were looking at me because I was reacting pretty big to some moments. And then I left and my eyes hurt and my brain hurt for the rest of the day. Mm. It was painful. Like we're used to watching in your room, which is yeah maybe one million times the size of my iPhone. So that was challenging. But regardless, excited. Took a physical toll on you, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. big time. <laughs> well, I don't think uh, the race in some ways was very exciting and yet in other ways quite exciting. Mm-hmm. I like the weekend. Yeah, it was a good weekend. Yeah. I thought some good things came out of it. Mercedes is back-ish, I think, compared to Red Bull. They're as close to being back as they can. Within 23 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I just don't think the top is attainable for anyone now. Yeah. So, so they're at the top. They've gotten there. I think um, George Russell was urging people to think of it that way. That just forget about first. He said, really, everyone should be staring at P3. That's what everyone, yeah. That's where the race is yeah. going to be. Yep. There was a stat that said this year so far in seven races, Red Bull has led 401 laps and everyone else has led for a total of 16 laps. Oof. Oof. Like, unbelievable. That's rough. Yeah. Just depressing. But yeah, Merck looked really good. I'm going to call this era the rise of a wolf named Toto. He seemed to have his mm. old <laughs> smirk on his face a lot of times this weekend, which yeah. was fun mm. to see. I think most obvious visually as far as the upgrades go was their drs actually seems to reduce drag at this point they have enough drag to reduce it and, and they got an advantage finally <laughs> finally on the straightaway when they would open up drs it actually went turned, faster yes it went faster <laughs> there was some boost which we have not seen yet this season nope jethro what's your expert analysis of these upgrades definitely a step and it was also really good to see hamilton actually pumped up i thought that was cool like he's been around everyone's questions his motivation but he was excited which was great so they've definitely made a step but i think it was also exaggerated a little bit because ferrari just sucked so badly and aston martin had a weirdly shitty race so it will be interesting to see going into canada because i think Mercedes did pretty well last year in Spain as well. So definitely a step. Definitely looks like they could be the second best team now. Nice to see Hamilton motivated, but probably a little bit of caution because they looked pretty good in Spain last year. And then they went to Canada and were pretty shitty again. Yeah, I thought Hamilton looked incredible. He looked like he was willing to die this week. He was back, yeah. 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 Especially in the beginning, having to fight a little bit to start the race. It was good to see him get out there and be able to fight a little bit. Yeah, I love uh, when I find myself rooting for Lewis because I'm not the number one fan of Lewis, but occasionally he catches me and I go, oh, yeah, don't ever underestimate that son of a gun. He's yeah. got the eye of the tiger when he wants it. Yeah. And he looks good doing it. I got to give it up as well. He's very good looking. He's a gorgeous man. I just recently saw for the first time a full photo of his back tattoo. Have you guys seen this? Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's pretty bonkers. He's very Christian, I guess, because that's quite a commitment. He's got a three and a half foot cross on his back. His entire back is a crucifix. I think his neck says God is good or something like that. Oh, okay, great. Wally was amazing. It was crazy to see no yellow cars during that race. It's been and three in a row now. Quali, it kind of looked like it was going to be insane. Like people were calling it like the spinneroony quali. Like it was just everyone was spinning out. It was impressive. Although I don't know what the title of this is, but I, every episode I'm going to commit to fawning over Max a little bit as I'm the number one fan. And some pretty notable things for his weekend. Obviously, he was the fastest in FP1, FP2. He got pole and quali. He led every lap. He had the fastest lap, which he was explicitly told not to pursue. <laughs> like Very clearly, team orders do not go for fast lap. You are, you've gone out, out of bounds so much that God knows what's ahead for you. But he did not give a shit, and he went and got it anyways. And then, of course, he won with a 23-second gap. But the real things from the weekend, those are the obvious headlines. Another little Max moment of genius is he was talking over the radio, and he heard a phone ringing in the background. (laughs) And he asked, is that Helmut's phone ringing? He knows Helmut's ringtone and knew that it was going off and wanted to basically know (laughs) who was calling Uh Helmut, which is... (laughs) Apex. They're making these up now. They're making no, them up. They're it. planting these radio messages in. This is bullshit. They're thinking of what it's gonna be next. It's gonna be it's gonna be it's that Lewis's dog having a piss up against the garage wall next, <laughs> next round or something. I think he's gonna hear some clicking that sounds like an impact gun and he's gonna realize it's Morse code and somebody is stuck out in the ocean and signaling an SOS. He'll know Morse code and he'll be 
He'll be translating <laughs> while he drives. And then the other fun thing for me, uh, Max, with my Max Boner, was um, Max giving it up to Alonzo. He had a quote this week that said, uh, I can feel that from the way he operates in the car, picking up on little things, showing this extra capacity, still driving at the limit, but thinking about other stuff as well. So Max sees in Alonzo someone else who's quite busy in addition to racing the car. He's watching TV. He's strategizing for Lance. Yep. And, and Max has noticed it. He's noted it, and he's applauding it in public. So this kind of growing adoration between Alonzo and Max, I'm shipping. Is that what you say for a relationship? I'm all in on this Well, even in, a, yeah. in practice or qualifying, maybe, Alonzo was behind, I think it was Gasly when he impeded another car, and he called it out. He's like, oh, that, oh, oh. he was like, flagging it for yeah. the stewards and he wasn't involved he had just seen it in front of him and he was already saying oh that's got to be impeding right there just policing and he was just pointing it out over the radio so that the stewards could look at it for for another team but he's got so much going on i heard a pretty good alonso stat as well because i mean i know he's been around forever but he's done 361 gps right and apparently, I think the total number of GPs is somewhere just over a thousand. So he's done a third of yeah. all Formula One Grand Prix ever contested in the championship's history, which is just brilliant. It is. Yeah. And the fact that he's so damn competitive, you know, on the backside of a third of all F1 races. Although it seemed like maybe that competitive spirit died down a little this weekend. He yeah. seemed to have the opportunity to pass Stroll. At the end, he had fresh tires and a little bit more pace. Mm -hmm. And over the radio, he's kind of just like, I'll hang. We're good with six and seven. Points are the same for the team. It caused you and I to launch a theory that mirrors the Botas narrative we've been pushing. Yeah. Which is Botas has somehow magically figured out how to retire and still, still, work. still drive and work. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we equated it to uh, Tiger Woods retiring and playing golf. Yes, exactly. That seems to be <laughs> now what Botas is up to. He just, he loves to travel. He takes a drive every Sunday in one of the coolest cars. All travel world. arrangements are taken yeah. care of. He just shows up. Shows up, enjoys the city and takes a stroll. Yeah. But it does, yeah, we felt a little bit of pullback from the Alonzo That passion. was shocking because he had it. It wasn't like they would have to battle that much. Like he seemed to have the pace, new tires, and he just hung back and let Stroll take it, which yeah. from a competitive standpoint, if you're- a, But if they were in second and third, it would be a different story. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's the point. It was minor point. The cool thing about that is Alonso- is now in a position where sixth place doesn't mean shit to him because he's gone. Mm -hmm. and he really is thinking about second, third, and first, which is great. But yeah, I know what you mean, but he's just patting Lance on the head again, isn't he? I think it's still yeah. patronizing. He's like, tell Lance not to worry. I'm not coming through. He's got him in his pocket. He knows it. Yeah. But those points are going to matter as Hamilton creeps up because now Hamilton's closing that gap and Mercedes passed them, which wouldn't have mattered, you know, where Lance and Alonso finished six and seven or seven and six. But Lewis is catching up. I got a nice stat for you two gentlemen that you'll like. Alonzo's personal trainer, he did a whole test on Alonzo's body, and they spent a few days doing this. And his metabolic age is actually 31. So his fitness is 10 years younger than he is. So maybe he's not ready for retirement. Well, I heard that too, Matt. And in fact, I think I've heard that in like four or five different locations now. People are very thrilled about his metabolic age. And I'm glad Charlie's here. What do you make of this metabolic age thing? I, for me, it's, I think it's kind of horseshit. Yeah. I mean, I think what they're, they're saying, he's as fit as a 31-year-old, more or less. And that's, and, and that's great. That's but, a statement I could stand by. Yeah. But, but claiming there's different <laughs> chronological orders to aging is a little Yeah. And that's dubious. his fitness, not necessarily all the other biological markers. He's still... <laughs> he's been here for 41 yeah. years. There's no yeah. two ways about it. Working Suck. hard for 41 years. Yeah. And he's in great shape. But this notion that, yeah, you could be 45 on the inside, 90 on the outside, I just, I'm not sure I'm yeah. all in on that. Driver standings, which you just brought up, are worth noting now because it is getting pretty tasty between second and fourth. Max, of course, is way out front with 170. Checo's 117. But then Alonso's just 18 points below Checo. And then Hamilton is just 12 points below Alonso. So only, you know, 87 points to 117 points covers the whole spread 
between fourth and second. So I think we're going to see a ton of movement coming up in the next few races. And Max said he's chasing 26 points every week. So he wants to extend. That's his new goal. Yep. He's extending that gap seven points every week was his <laughs> was his goal. And Helmut Marco said that, made a statement that Checo needs to stop chasing Max. He just needs to be focused on his own race. He doesn't need to be focused on yeah. surpassing Max. Stay tuned for more F1 with DRS. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, well, that brings us to, I think, big gaps between teammates. There's some notable gaps out there. You know, DeVries, this is what? This is number two of the three theoretical shots he had to demonstrate he should keep his seat at AlphaTauri. And he's not. He didn't improve, really. He didn't improve. And Yuki had a great race. So he's mm. he's making it harder to cover that gap. He's not sure. going to get to Yuki. That's no. very obvious. So it'll be very interesting to see, I guess, Canada's Number potentially three. his last race yeah. in Formula One, at least for AlphaTauri. And he just, still his demeanor about the whole thing is not helping him out. He's acting like he's the number one guy yeah, he's, and he's got no personality. He's so cold that you would think he's crushing Yeah, and he's not. So he's not doing himself any favors. He's got the swagger. He just really cannot back it up. And then- uh, another big gap was Joe and Botas was also a <laughs> humongous gap. Huge gap between Botas and Joe. Joe had a great, great weekend. He had a great weekend. And I, you know, I, I've really debated whether or not to bring this up, but I guess I feel like it does need to get brought up. There was, um, you know, potentially a pretty damaging slip up. During the commentation, there was a moment. Oh, there was that a, was real bad. That was really, really bad. There was a moment where Hulkenberg was it Hulkenberg? It was definitely Joe Gagne. Yeah, it was Hulkenberg because it was the German. The German. So I don't know if you saw this, Jethro, but it was the the, the Hulkenberg, uh, Joe Gagne, and then Yuki Sonoda, and they were all kind of in the fight at the same time. And the announcer got really excited, and he said. Oh, only in Formula One, a German, a Chinaman, and a man from Japan. And we were like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we, <laughs> he did yes. not say Chinaman. You, did you not hear that, Jethro? We, we were like, we were stunned. We, we rewinded like, and, and listened again to make sure that we heard it right. <laughs> yes. 
And then, of course, it begged the question, and you're here, you could maybe answer. In England, you can't still say that, right? This is a globally, we don't say that anymore. I don't think you can say Chinaman, no. I don't, I don't think that's okay anymore. Mm, no. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, even in Britain, yeah. It's no good, right? Yeah. Maybe within the walls of Buckingham Palace, but that's the only place that's acceptable <laughs> these days. Yeah, that was a that was a big one. I'm kind of waiting patiently to see if there's any fallout from that. Yeah, I was waiting during the race. I thought we might hear a little, uh, an little apology. something or an acknowledgement, but yeah. And by the way, you know, we've noted this in the past that the announcers seem most interested in Joe Granu being Chinese above the nationality of all other drivers because they used to say the Chinese driver quite often with such frequency. That it bumped for us. We were like, wow, I don't know if they should be saying Chinese driver as frequently as they, they are. They only said Chinese driver. I mean, I feel like I didn't know his name for a year because he was just the Chinese yeah. driver. And it kind of proved my theory, which was they want to say the other word, which they then accidentally yes. said. They've like, been fighting it all this time. Yes, it's they, kind of remarkable that it's it's yes. gone this long. Yes. And it's always Martin Brundle. It's, it's Brundle. <laughs> oh, Brundle. He's, the one. He's our offender. Mm. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's because he's the first Chinese F1 driver. Maybe they're just, they're excited for him. That's a generous, yeah. It could be he just can't wrap his head around the fact that there's a Chinese driver. They're never saying the Dutch driver, the the British driver. No, very rare. I mean, if they're in Spain, they'll be pointing out that a lot. Maybe. But even Logan Sargent, the only American driver, they're mm. never saying the American driver. No, or the Yang. Nope. In this case, well, they well, that, have to be a pejorative. <laughs> yes. you know? mm. and, that, and we're sure that was Martin Brundle. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's kind of like that grandpa that you have that says those inappropriate things and you bring your girlfriend over and you're like, this is, this is. Yeah, you got it, the whole ride over. You're like, listen, my grandpa's a really good guy. Yes. He, but he, uh, <laughs> you know, he's going to say some things that are going to be a bummer. Yep. But we love them. We love our grandpas. I'm just shocked that that was the first time after, you know, however many races. It's true because, again, every time he said the Chinese driver, it just, it felt like the subtext was a little darker. And Mm -hmm. I I think we learned Mm -hmm. that that was the case. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that brings us really to P10 elegantly because this was, I think, the most competitive P10 shootout we've had this season. Generally, three are completely out of the running, and someone's kind of oscillating. Well, I was after turn two. Uh, you, who did you have? Lando? Lando. Norris. Lando. It looked good, because I knew he was going to fall down to 10th, and then when that happened, I was just... That was heartbreaking. I got to say, for poor Lando, that was starting in third and, and ending up in 20th. It just seemed like he should have played it safe. Like yeah. he was already higher than he should have been. So just like let a couple pass and stay up there. Stay in yeah. that six, seven range. And I got to be honest, you know, he rear-ended Lewis. He, he, he mm-hmm. was a bit out of control. It's not like, it, to me, it looked pretty avoidable. Like he was yeah. on the throttle as the car was. And Lewis was way out in front. I mean, there was, mm-hmm. he wasn't fighting for any position there. Yeah, that was a bummer. No, but I think Lewis braked because science was kind of coming into him a little mm-hmm. bit to try to gain position on Max. And then... Lando was just kind of the last one in the order who kind of got the delayed information. Did you hear his interview about that? He was just like, the result we got was what we were expecting. Like Lando we, said that? Yeah. Like, oh. Like, like even after Quali and all that, he's like, this is kind of what we expected. We were yeah. playing a way above our pay grade up in P3 kind of thing. Yeah. He had zero hope in the post-Quali interview. He was like, this is just not where I'm going to be. And then they were asked Max if he was surprised where Lando got. And he said, well... I'm not surprised where Lando is because Lando always has the ability to get there. However, I am very surprised that McLaren got there. Oh, he said <laughs> that. Little, oh, full-blown throwing <laughs> oh, shade he's McLaren, le- but really pumping up his guy. He's levying verdicts. Lando's a good driver. We've always said that, but he's just not in the right car. Yeah, and it seems like Lando now is finally not towing the party line anymore. Not at all. Yeah, you, you can he's tell. He's out. He's out. He. Very and much Zach Brown like, even made a statement last week saying that there is no exit clause in his contract. He's basically already saying we will get litigious over this. We're not letting him go. Clearly, he wants to go. Yeah. And he's not holding back. I mean, he's saying this car is rough and I'm doing what I can, but. He's going. He's too good. And you, th- these guys, they don't always have that long at their peak and he has to make it count. And I, I feel like he knows it. I loved his cockiness. You know, I heard someone interview him after Quali and they were like, seems like everything came together for the car and he was like for what and the interviewer was like oh well for you and he was like yeah exactly you know he knows how highly he's performing and i love that 
and he need, he needs to be in a proper car. And I think Leclerc feels the same. Like Leclerc looked totally. He was so pissed off after the weekend he had. And I just so sad. I feel like we're missing out on those two guys. They're properly driving at the peak and uh, they're being let down by their cars big time at the minute. Well, Jethro, if you were running Ferrari, when I mean, if I was, I would definitely want Lando for $20 million a year over Lewis for $46 million a year. Don't you think Ferrari would be way better off chasing Lando? Uh, yes, they probably would. But, you know, Lewis is a marketing machine as well, isn't he? You have to, they, they think about that in those terms as well. I really thought Lewis might consider Ferrari, but I think if any weekend was going to make Lewis stick with Mercedes and not go to Ferrari, it would be this weekend, you know? Mm-hmm. They, they just look a fucking shambles. Like, I, I hate to say it, but it's just not good. And that, you know, science went backwards so fast. Leclerc thought his car was broken. I just, I don't know what Ferrari need to do, but whatever it is, they're not doing it. And it doesn't look like they're going to do it anytime soon. Yeah. And do we have a spot? Do we have Checo's spot available, you think? I mean, he's really oh, not God. not bringing the competition for Max. No, but I do think that would be a tactical blunder for them to bring in someone as fast as Lando. It's kind of like uh, there was some criticism, I think, by Helmet about Mercedes bringing in George Russell. That That's yeah. the beginning of the unraveling of Lewis, which is like you shouldn't have. You need a clear number two. Yes. Yep. And I, so I, if I were, you know, uh, Christian Horner, when I wasn't making fun of Zach Brown, I wouldn't want that scenario. In fact, even Ricardo would be a great, great number two for him. Yeah. It'd be a marketing, mm-hmm. you know, coup, and he was not going to be competitive with Max. It would be perfect. But Lando would be, he would fuck some shit up, and Max would be angry. And how is Max angry? I don't know. It'd be fun to find out, though. <laughs> it would be fun to find out. We'd see the inner Yos. Back to P10. Charlie was on the edge of his seat the whole race because he had Yuki. Who All was, weekend, he was yeah, there. Right where he's at home, 9, 10, 11. He just always... The entire weekend. And he was a nine forever. So you were weirdly rooting for Joe Granu to yeah. pass him, to put him down in the 10th. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you were pulling really hard. And I was feeling completely fucked. So I'm like, I don't even think Joe's going to get around him. So how the hell is Gasly, who's behind Joe Grand, you going to get two spots up? And then God bless Yuki. I want to be on record oh. saying this was a terrible call. I watched like 12 different terrible. replays terrible. from every angle. There was nothing dicey about what he did. Joe had plenty of room. And they were racing for the entire race. Like they were battling. So even more so in context. He gave him plenty of room. Oh, yeah. that He did not deserve that penalty. But despite that, I celebrated <laughs> so hard. I thought, this is impossible. Now, all of a sudden, Gasly's going from 12th. Yep. Or what was he? No, he's going he from 11th. Yeah. The only fear was that somehow, all of a sudden, Leclerc might end up yeah. because the penalty went back so far. Yeah. But regardless, last second, through a penalty, this does mark my second victory uh, in the P10 shootout. Yeah, it did occur to me today that this should be about a sixteen hundred dollar pot. I yeah. think we've got three or four race carryover, mm-hmm. but of course, no one has put any money into any pot, so it's simply going to just be mm-hmm. a. Well, Rob's got the accounting. Yeah, you're, you've twelve hundred. Rob's got the accounting. We're going to do it. Oh, twelve hundred. Okay. Oh, twelve hundred. Oh also, it was it was devastating for me because I had to get back, so I shut off the race as soon as I didn't listen to the press conference. After I just left and went to my work, and I was like. Thank God I got another week to win this. It's going to be great. And I didn't realize till like Zhouguen Yu posted something that he got two points. And I was like, two points? You got 10th. Why two points? And I was really confused. Then I found this picture of Yuki after the penalty. I'm going to post this on Instagram after. But look at this. So sad. The poor oh, boy. I know. He was so devastated. And this is exactly how I felt. I was so – that when I sent you that message on the group, I was like – P10, huh? I didn't know if you knew yet, and I didn't want to ruin it. Yeah. I was like, maybe you shut it off too. And I was hoping you wouldn't know, and then Ugh. we'd tell you today, and it'd be all exciting. His interview was pretty sad too. When they, yeah, told, it was so sad. It was sad. You know what's great about Yuki is he has terrible radio etiquette, and no one cares. I was just thinking about how how helpful. Like it's 
It's a bummer to be 4'11", or I forget how tall he is. He's not that short, is he? He might be. <laughs> he's, yeah. He's, well, there's a picture of him in the Oh, pit, with the basketball he's next player? To one of the, yes. I, it looked he's photoshopped. Five, three, five, I three. had to look up the other guy's height. He's seven foot two. Okay, oh, uh, Rob's telling us 5'3". He's five just three. got the info five coming three. in hot across his So deck. that's really 5'1 or 5'2". Or five foot on the dot. Yeah. That, that's going to come with certain challenges, of course. But I will say the mm-hmm. upside, the silver lining is when you're throwing a fit, everyone can just think it's kind of adorable. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to ever get mad. He lights them up every time he's screaming. He's, yeah. he's having a tantrum is yep. what it is. Yep. And because he's shorter, we're like, yeah, who cares? You yep. let it rip, Yuki. Um, speaking of radio messages, a great moment for me was when George oh. claimed that it was raining. Early on in the race, couple laps in, he mm. says, you know, there's rain in turn five. <laughs> and over the radio, you just hear, okay, noted, we'll look into it. Mm. And a couple laps later, he comes on to acknowledge that it was just sweat on his visor. <laughs> yes. And it just reminded me of um, Ben Stiller in uh, Dodgeball when he says, no one makes me bleed my own blood. You know, and, and I was like, George doesn't sweat. Someone made him sweat that race. And he was like shocked that his yeah. body was producing this... this uh, it was the it's French fluid. Boy King's very yeah. first perspiration. First sweat. But it sent everyone into a spiral because like you saw, there was pictures of Horner on the pit lane putting his hand outside <laughs> to see if it was raining. Everyone thought that like people were asking about interns after. And I guess when he put on his balaclava, he left like a few pieces of hair out of the balaclava. So they were like moving and spraying the sweat onto the visor. Oh, what is this word you're using? Balaclava? Is that like baklava? The balaclava is the first, the thing that they put over their head. Oh, like the head sock? Yeah, the head sock. Yeah. Okay. That's called a. Oh, you call it a head sock? So it must balaclava. be a Canadian and British thing because they call it a balaclava, just like we call a toque a beanie. Oh, balak, but it's balaclava, not baklava like the dessert. Balaclava. <laughs> no, it's a balaclava. <laughs> It's balaclava, okay. yeah. It's a popular robbery uh, device. Oh, okay. And I'm sure someone's already eaten baklava in a balaclava just to oh. be cheeky. <laughs> sure. We should all do that, maybe. I think we should. We should add it to the list of useless things we need to do. <laughs> uh, any other hot gossip for us, Matt? Yeah, one really cool thing that I think is going to – maybe we need to get all the children in our group together. Because just like they did in the NFL, where they had like a Nickelodeon broadcast, they are now going to be having their own feed where they have young like Carter kids, probably in the like the 10-year-old range, that are going to be partnering up. I think they're doing this at the um, Hungarian GP. So there's going to be a separate broadcast that's kid-specific. So they're going to have fun graphics, sound effects, special features to basically draw a younger audience. So it's super kid-friendly to gain that in. So I think that's going to be really fun. Fart noises when the car's malfunctioning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. It's going to be fun. When someone's passing, someone will be that cartoon sound for a boner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope it's like very Mario Kart. Max apparently raged after Monaco. Oh. So the day before the press conference, he went out in America's Cup sailboat. And I forget who was next to him. Maybe it was Ocon. And Ocon was like, did you get seasick on the boat? And Max is like, no, still hung over from Monaco, <laughs> which was four days later. So there was a, some raging going yeah, on. Yeah, we hear he drinks hard. Anytime that's confirmed, <laughs> we like it. We want him to drink hard. Yeah. We want him to be hung over on Sundays and have something to Something to prove, yeah. Something to prove. We want, we want him yeah. angry at himself, disappointed, and then that commitment – that I will not let this stand in my way. Yeah, and it's almost got to be a public yeah. intoxication. Like, if he drinks by himself, no one knows the mm-hmm. level. But he's got to make it seen that he's been out raging, yes. tied one on. Mm-hmm. And when everyone's second-guessing his ability on race day, he really has to push. And-, and what you really want him to do is break through that hangover on, like, lap 40. Where all of a sudden he can feel it dissolving and oh, it just yeah. fucking turbocharges him. Charges. Yeah. So we want him drunk. We want him hungover. This is all great. Yeah. One of the announcers was asking Max about his sim racing because we talk about that a lot. Uh, yeah. More than and his actual racing, I think. More than his actually racing. But he said he loves it so much that he regularly goes to bed thinking about his sim races more than he goes to bed thinking about his F1 races. That is Probably because he's challenged a bit more because there's people that are slightly better than him there and not mm. in F1. But that was It's fun. great to know that like he will have no hard transition into retirement. Like he'll actually have more time oh. to do his first love yep. virtual race. Oh, yeah. That's comforting. He's pumped. Yeah. And then we got Lewis 
because everyone's asking about his contract. And apparently today, as we speak, he's meeting with Toto and he's hoping to get the contract signed. So when this episode comes out, there might be a contract. The rise of a wolf named Toto will be complete. <laughs> One's burning a hole in your wallet, Charlie. What is it? Oh, I was just saying that Red Bull, despite their dominating performance, seemed like they had more in the tank. Max left that one lap out there at the end of Quali that he was seemingly pumped about. And he said he was excited to see what he would have done, but bailed halfway through because he didn't need it. Christian said when asked about Mercedes performance that they're still 23 seconds behind. And although it's a good step that we still have some stuff in the pipeline. So yeah, they have their own upgrades. coming. They have their own, which is pointless is pointless. And they're a long time in the works, but I wonder if there's any pressure from the FIA to not bring them to kind of keep it. I don't know. It just seems like at this point, it's... They should just keep them in the bag unless the, the pressure they gets need on it. them. They yeah. yeah. Because it's not a good look. They're going to bring more pressure on themselves. And especially if Perez ever turns it around and we've got just a clear one-two yeah. every race. Something maybe else. they save those uh, those upgrades. Yeah, something will have to be done for sure. On the Red Bull tech advantage, mm. there's been some great memes going around, side-by-side -side comparison of the Williams floor pan yes, and the Red Bull floor pan. It's comical. It's comical. The Williams, there's nothing on it. It just looks like a mannequin's groin. Yeah. It's just smooth and there's not much, and there's no arrow going on. Looks like a the, piece you'd buy from Home Depot. Like just yeah, a, a preset like t uh, tub sill or something. Yeah. And then the Red Bull has got so much going on, it's impossible. You feel like you're looking at something computer generated. It looks like a piece from Batman's car, like something so intricate and detailed and smooth, all these grooves and cuts. Even the titanium plate runs the full length of the, yeah. the car, as opposed to Williams seems mm -hmm. to have saved two or three dollars yeah. there. It's just, it's so obvious why Williams is not creating any downforce when you see those two floor yep. pans next to each other Oof. well and we were wondering about people looking at them from mm. that those crane yeah and they're everywhere now yeah but now i guess do they have the money to implement anything they see in those photos probably not based on what they had and what they thought would work i don't know that they can figure out how to even replicate it based on a photo i'm curious jethro if you have any opinions on this because mclaren hired red bull's chief engineer rob marshall so he's on an gardening leave this year and he'll be back with the team next year what do you think that's going to affect them for next year do you know what I, it's really weird everyone says it's a team game and it is a team game and these technical departments are deep in talent engineering etc and everyone says it's not just adrian newey but there is one very very common factor whenever you look at a dominant car and it tends to be adrian newey We've seen other people leave Red Bull and, and make a difference to teams, definitely. But he's the guy with the magic. So I think even when you get his number two or whatever, number three, this guy is incredibly senior and apparently very talented. No one's quite Newey. And until Newey goes, it's hard to imagine, especially with the cost cap era now, someone um, coming up with a design that's fundamentally better than what he can do. So yeah, I think it will make a big difference to the McLaren are making big strides. They've got this new three-tier system, haven't they? Effectively, three technical directors. Um, but it feels like a last roll of the dice for them. They've tried everything and they've really struggled. I hope they make a big step, particularly if Lando is really stuck there, because I think he's brilliant. But yeah, you just don't know. And it takes so long to find out. So it could be three or four years before we really know how effective that is. I, I think yeah. the only thing that rivals my dedication to Max Verstappen is Jethro's dedication to Adrian Newey. That's definitely his Max Verstappen. He's the man. Come on. I mean, it, it's incredible. <laughs> I, I'm going to dig out some stats for next episode because I would love to know if Alonso's competed in like a third of GPs. How many GPs have uh, been won by cars designed by Newey? I bet you it's a third at least. Yeah. And he came out in an interview saying, you know, when he was younger, he thought at 60, he'd be done, ready to retire and chill on a beach. But he's older than that now and he's loving it. And The taste of victory is just too yeah, sweet. So he might be there for a while. Matt, is there anything else that's super hot that needs to be said uh, before we do our preview of the Canadian Grand Prix next Thursday? I think just a couple things. We were talking about Nick DeVries a lot. It was interesting in the pre-race interviews. They were asking him if he's like following what's being said about him and how he's at risk. And he's like, no, I don't follow any of that. I don't even know what's going on. And I'm just kind of like, 
that's bullshit. You're, you, you know exactly what's going on. It's just yeah, he's, he's like a mix of Tom Cruise and Napoleon, but not with the, the winning no part of either. Yeah. 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 But that's same like losing Napoleon. OK, I want to start. I, I've been growing more and more curious of how all these uh, young boys, young men end up in Formula One. And obviously it's such an expensive sport to work your way through the ranks of, you know, starting to race go-karts at six years old, as many of these kids do. Yeah. So it really begs the question, you know, what do their dads do? I'm really fascinated mm. with the idea of what the fathers of all these, and that's not to be sexist. There could be mothers too. It's just parents yeah. of, but I, I have a, a bad hunch. It's mostly going to be the patriarch that's created the fortune. Mm. Uh, maybe that's wrong, but at any rate, I just put myself in a hole. I'm calling this dads of F1 slash F1 daddies slash F zaddies one. So this week I'm going to profile Charles Leclerc's father, Herve. Herve. She's great. I don't a legendary know. Monegasque. A legendary Monegasque. The OM, the original Monegasque. I guess my assumption was his father, Herve, was probably quite wealthy, which turns out not to be the case directly his father also raced cars he drove in formula three in the 1980s and the 90s but it's the grandparents there is a quote from charles saying my grandfather had quite a big plastics industry my parents aren't particularly rich my grandparents were a little bit so they were helping us pay for the hotel my hunch is that they're probably helping pay for more than the hotel yeah, mm -hmm. that seems like one of the smaller of the expenses one would rack up traveling the globe, racing, racing go -karts. cars, yeah. yeah, shipping go karts and tires and engines. But it's kind of a sad story. They they were very close, and his father was really good friends with Philip Bianchi. Am I saying that right, Jethro Bianchi, Jules yeah. Bianchi, J Jules Bianchi's dad? Yeah. Yeah, so Herve and Philip Bianchi were really good friends. And so that's how they got into going to the karting track because, of course, Philip was taking his son, Jules Bianchi. And Jules Bianchi was the last Formula One driver to die. He's the, in fact, he's the only Formula One driver to have died between Senna and now. On the track. On the track, uh -huh. died on the track. And he was a Monegasque driver as well so that was kind of, he he is a godfather of charles sadly his dad died at 54 in 2017 charles's dad and that was the year 2017 that charles was winning his f2 championship he died just before he won the championship and charles lied to him just before he died and said he had signed an f1 contract to start racing in 2018 which then ended up that's sweet coming to fruition coming to fruition and yeah. being true but at the time he told his father that he uh he was he just wanted to send his dad off yep knowing that he got that to he the big it. show yeah that's cool pretty sweet story they were clearly quite close and not crazy rich despite being monogasque 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 our favorite word to say on f1 monogasque so stay tuned. Um, we're going to have every one of us is going to be assigned to profile a different parent of this current crop of Formula One drivers. It's also depressing if you're me because you start to realize I very much could be the father of everyone except for Alonzo. And I was just going to say he died in 17. He's 54. He's so young. And I'm like, yes. oh, no. Well, Charles is so young. Charles is so, so young. And it started making me think like, fuck, am I the same age as Yos? I didn't look it up yet, but I have a sneaking and terrible suspicion i might be the same age i mean max else. is only 25 so yeah i could, be, I could have had him at 23 yeah. oh, well i think of me and max as being bros as, as peers and now yeah, i'm peers and bros with yos <laughs> that's better though yeah we also just side note charlie and i were watching the race we're theorizing on what max's post-race life will be like because he'll be filthy rich by the way a lot of these drivers dads did pop up and a lot of these kids are fucking loaded lando in particular but we'll get into that on a subsequent uh, f1 zaddies update but we were talking and charlie and i concluded that max will definitely be behind the wheel of a huge cigarette boat 30 pounds overweight mm. drinking hard and raging hard we see that for him and we want to track it yeah hopefully be a part of it and at this pace it might be sooner rather than later he might get sick of this pretty quick 
Well, he might have to retire from it to put his full focus on the sim racing, uh-huh. since that's the last place yeah. he, he needs to True prove passion. himself. So that was a great, great weekend. Mercedes seems to be coming back. I think we have a lot of fun. I think the second half of the season is going to be certainly more exciting than the first, I guess we could call it the first half, first third. So we will be back next Thursday for our race preview of the Canadian Grand Prix, which is on June 18th. And we hope to be making enormous announcements next Thursday. Um, We are very far down the path with getting Charlie and Matt out to Canada for some more exciting interactions with team personnel. It's looking very promising that Matt may be giving some haircuts to some drivers. Snap, snap. Which, Mm -hmm. if that comes... Oh, Canada. What, I mean, Matt... Are you even prepared for that level of simulation? Back home in your home country, watching the Canadian Grand Prix, implying your trade on the heads of the best and brightest. It's incredible. I'm at a hair show. I bought a new set of clippers, and I'm really excited to use them. At this hair show, have you been at all workshopping your short, long hairdo you're going to be giving to Botas? To be honest, before this, I scrolled through his entire Instagram. It's what I always do to people when I have to cut their hair. I kind of look through. I kind of get a sense of what they do or don't like, any sort of different things, so that I'm kind of better prepared. It's what I always Mm do. It's normally with celebrity women that I do this with, but it's... Pretty fun to look at how I'm going to perfect a mullet and take him to the you next know. stage of his hair story, his hair narrative. To be honest, my real goal to try to convince him to do is to take a snipping of the mullet and start some sort of a charity fund and auction it off for charity. He likes to auction things off for charity, like his naked butt photo. Oh, so okay. We'll see if we can make that That's happen. That's a sweet idea. I am pessimistic about how much money it's going to raise, but you know, well, I guess t- TBD. <laughs> TBD. I'm sure there's pretty famous some mullet. bizarre guy out there that's buying foot photos <laughs> for 10 grand a pop that might want to masturbate with some of his hair. We might want to partner with like a card company to get that like a strand of hair implanted into a card and maybe it's going to, you know. That's a good idea. It's not going to get Lewis card money. but And then you'll have his DNA. That's the thing people don't think about yeah. when they're buying these hair samples is you could eventually clone mm-hmm. them in the future. Which is nice. Get yeah. To, get a, get your own Botas. Yeah. Get your very own Botas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, I look forward to our Canadian preview next Thursday. And until then, I hope everyone has the best week of their lives and continues to push, 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 push. push.